Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Valley Creek Church. It's so good to be with you. Let's give each other a big welcome from wherever you're joining us from. It's so good to be together. And so we are in the middle of a series right now called Abnormal, that there is an invitation to a better way of life. And we're going through the book of James chapter by chapter, and and we're looking at a way of life that when compared to the world is considered abnormal, different, even weird, strange. And that uh, if we're really, if we're honest, like we we really just want to fit in with the world. And that it's actually really easy to fit in. It's too easy. But I'm telling you, you don't want to. You don't want to fit into the world's ways because the world's ways are brokenness, brokenness, death, and destruction. And Jesus has a better way that is faith, hope, and love. You know, a while back, I was at one of our girls' softball games, one of my daughter's softball games. And let me kind of preface this with saying this was, this was 10U softball. It's like 10 and under softball rec league. So there's no scholarships on the line, no, no championships, no jobs on the line. And I got there kind of late. And so I was, I was hanging in the back and I was just kind of listening to what was going on around me. I was listening to the things that the parents were saying listening to coaches, listening to some of the players, listening to kind of fans from one side to the other. And it was, it was like really harsh. I was just noticing just like all the griping and the complaining and the judgment and the, and the pressure. And, and I started, it kind of set me on this little path of just like really listening to what was happening around me. It's like when we were out shopping and I just kind of noticed couples that were arguing and fighting with each other or, or noticed parents that were chewing out their kids. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like you've seen that stuff. And I started to really pay attention, like what was in the TV shows that my kids were watching, the things that were being said and, and just listening to the news and just like the doom and the gloom and, and the hatred that was being talked about it. And I noticed that this is the norm. Like this is everyday life. And I thought, how sad is that? How sad is it that we're not even surprised when we hear people just speak hatred Enforce their opinions. When we listen to the news and we listen to music and it's just this constant flow of doom and gloom and greed and hate and we're not only not surprised by it, like we actually expect it and we tolerate it. And sometimes we, we even do it, don't we? <laughs> and the reason is because the world has become the model and the world is always more than happy to stroll down the catwalk and model its ways. But what if there was a different way? Like, what if that couple who was fighting and arguing instead was like complimenting and encouraging each other? What if that news was full of hope and life? What if those parents were actually speaking grace and love to their kids instead? Like, as odd as that might seem, it's what Jesus offers us. As you see, James had seen the normal of the world around him. He heard him. And then he saw something radically different in Jesus. And that's where James is coming from. See, the the book of James kind of has a a bad rap for for being a little bit harsh. But it's actually full of hope. Because James saw the life that we truly have the hope to live in Jesus. I mean, James had a front row seat with Jesus. I mean, he, he, he truly saw like how significant our words could be. Because he's Jesus' little brother. I mean, imagine how profound his awareness was about the significance of words. I mean, he watched Jesus' words give hope and life and healing. He watched Jesus' words shape destinies and unlock eternity. 
But can you, like, can you imagine if Jesus spoke the way that the world does? Like seriously, can you imagine that? Like after Peter denies Jesus, not once, not twice, not, but three times, that later when Peter comes to him and Jesus is like, hey man, like, I don't know you, get away from me. Or when Peter's walking on the water and he starts to sink and Jesus is like, hey man, I hope you're a good swimmer. <laughs> or like when they bring the little children to Jesus and he's like, man, well, what do I look like a babysitter? Like, I don't got time for this. I got more important people to talk to or that woman who's caught in adultery and they bring her before him and like, Jesus, the law says the stoner, what do you say? And he's like, man, let me get warmed up. I'll throw first. Like, let's be glad that is not what James saw because it would have been chaos and destruction and death. But James saw what perfect control of the tongue looks like. And he saw how he had fallen so short. Like he called Jesus crazy. He didn't believe in Jesus. But then James was radically changed by an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And he goes from not believing in him to saying, man, there's nothing to do but believe in him. And it's because of that change and that impact that James kind of has no filter. Like he's writing, assuming that we have been as overwhelmed and impacted by the resurrected Jesus as he is. And so this week, we're going to look at the third chapter of James. And here's our focus, that how we speak should be different from the world. How we speak should be different from the world. So if you brought your Bible, let's go ahead and turn to chapter three in James. And this is where James shows us that we are called to be different from the world. So we'll start in verse two. It says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts on the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. And it can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. That's intense. <laughs> but who can tame the tongue? Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. You see, no filter. I mean, ouch, James, like that's kind of, that's heavy, man. <laughs> He's intense. But you have to realize what James is doing. James is speaking to the redeemed nature inside of us. That even though we may want to talk like the world, we are not like them anymore. We're different. So here's basically what James is saying. He's saying we should speak very different from the world, but it's really hard. It's actually more than hard. It's impossible on our own. Like we, we can't tame our tongues, but Jesus can and Jesus will. See, Jesus mastered and restored the tongue. He turned it from a fire of evil into a fountain of life. And outside of Jesus, we have no hope for controlling our tongue, but inside of Jesus, we have the hope that that is the normal life. That's the hope we have. Romans 8, 11 says that the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Realize what that's saying. The same power that conquered death that conquered sin, that conquered the grave, that conquered the tongue, lives in you. 
In Jesus, we have victory over our tongue, over our words. See, once we place our faith in Jesus, everything changes. We are a new creation. We are a different creation. We're no longer like the world. We're like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is in you. And Galatians 6 talks about the fruit of that spirit, our spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faith. Those are the normal things now that should be flowing out of our mouths. But the big question is, do we sound different? Do we sound like the world or do we sound like Jesus? So John 12, 49 and 50, Jesus says, I don't speak on my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the father tells me to say. So Jesus spoke hope and healing and life. He spoke what he heard the father say. And I think if we're honest, we take way more cues from what to say from what's happening around us than we do from the father. Like, have you ever watched an NFL game where they mic up the player? <laughs> it gets real interesting real fast. Like, it's, it's funny. When they, when they mic him up initially, you know, they, the player is super aware of it. And he's all like, you know, building everybody. Man, this is awesome. We're awesome. You're great. You're great. You're great. You're amazing. We're all amazing. We got this. And then the game starts. <laughs> and it changes a little bit. It starts to get a little more intense. Things come in out of his mouth, Shane's like, hey, what do you think you're doing? Come on, man, get it together. Hey, don't even, just give it to me, I'll take care of it. Like, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa this is supposed to be safe for the family, like, hold on. And it's, I mean, we can rag and laugh at that guy, but what if we mic'd you up? <laughs> what if we mic'd you up? <laughs> Maybe at first when you're aware, you know, it's, it's encouraging and it's kindness. But what about when the game starts? What about when life hits? See, it's not how you talk when everything is all peaceful and calm. It's not how you talk at church. It's what about on Monday when work hits and school hits and everything's hitting the fan? See, it's the circumstances of our life that reveals what's in our hearts. And I get it. I get it. It's hard. But you don't have to settle for the world's ways. In Jesus, we are different and we truly have hope for something that is better. So let me share with you some truths about how we are called to be different. So the first one is this, that God gave us the tongue to build up, not burn down. God gave us the tongue to build up, not burn down. I think probably the main reason that we really struggle with our tongues is most of us, we have no clue how powerful our words are and we have no clue for the design of our words. Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. I mean, those are strong words, absolutes. Do not let any, but only. That's because God wasn't joking or being flippant when he said in Proverbs 18, 21, that the tongue has the power of life and death. Your words bring life or death. They build up or they tear down. Words are not neutral and they will have an impact. They are powerful. And you have to go all the way back to the beginning to look at the design and the intent that God had for our words, his intent for them to build up. 
See, in Genesis 1, you look at, God could have chosen any way, any way to create the world, to build it. And he chose words. He chose to build with words. Let there be, and it was. Let there be light. Let there be the sun and the moon and stars. Let there be plants and animals. He chose to build with words. And in Genesis 1, 27 and 28, it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Notice the very first words God ever spoke over Adam and Eve, over mankind, was a blessing. He built them up. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. He was modeling what the tongue was for. That it was there to build, to build up. Think about what he's saying, like be fruitful, live a life of productive beauty. Multiply, not, not just multiplying yourself physically, like multiply and reproduce the best that is in you into other people. Fill the earth and subdue it. He was commissioning them. He was declaring purpose and destiny and identity. He was believing in them. I mean, that's what building someone up looks like the way that God did it with Adam and Eve, encouraging them, speaking purpose and destiny over them. And then God passed that on to us. In the very next chapter of Genesis, it said, he brings all the living creatures by Adam and he allows now Adam to declare out identity and destiny and purpose. And with every word Adam spoke, it was a reminder of God's design and his intent for our words to build. We are created in his image and God designed our words to build. And that's what the normal purpose for the tongue has always been. But if we look around at the world around us, it is the total opposite. The normal of the world isn't to build up anything, it's to burn down everything. Look at James 3, 5, and 6. It says, but a tiny spark can set off a great forest fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. Like think how accustomed we are to, to burning people down. I mean, it's such a common term to, to burn someone, to roast someone. And like, we actually even celebrate that, like that sarcasm and the wit that comes with that. But think about how fast one spark sets off a forest fire. Think of how fast one careless word can burn down someone's life. So in the wise words of old Smokey the Bear, only you can prevent forest fires. <laughs> so be careful. God didn't give you your tongue to burn down. He gave it to you to build up. So here's the question. Are you building or are you burning? Proverbs 26, 20 says, without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. This is why God gave us our tongue, not to start fires, but to put them out to look for opportunities to bless, to encourage, to build up. As God's people, we are different. We are builders, not burners. There's another truth about our tongues that I wanna share with you. This will be the second truth right here, that God gave us the tongue to heal, not hurt. He gave us the tongue to heal, not to hurt. I think probably a lot of us have heard this phrase that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is not true. That is one of the biggest lies on the face of the earth. Like there is no pain as deep and sharp and cutting as the pain from words. 
And the Bible actually one-ups that, like way beyond sticks and stones. Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, way worse than sticks and stones, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Our tongue is like a sword. We forget that. I mean, think about just all the ways that we talk, everything that comes out of our mouths and everything that comes out of our hands. Social media, emails, texts, phone calls, conversations, things we say to other people, things we just talk about all by ourselves. And how often do we do it without thinking who's around, who's overhearing it, who's reading it? I mean, can, can, can you imagine if we treated knives and swords that way? If we just like randomly just threw knives into crowds or just blindly walked through crowds with a sword, just slashing and swiping everywhere, like, no way! And yet we will blindly have that conversation or just talk out loud, not caring who's around. We will send that venting post out or that oh so important opinion that is as sharp and divisive as a knife with no regard to the hundreds or the thousands or even the one person that's being stabbed by it. And it can be especially tempting with things that we, we type because it doesn't feel as real. Like we, we have a, a rule in our family that we are not allowed to argue or gripe or fight via text or email. Because it's just way too easy for those words to cut and then to read them over and over and over. It's dangerous. Proverbs 16, 24. This says, nothing is more appealing than speaking beautiful, life-giving words. For they release sweetness to our souls and inner healing to our spirits. Your words can actually bring healing to people and healing to places medicine can't. And it's interesting that in most cases where it's words that have hurt you, it's words that will heal you. You know, earlier this year, there was a, a young woman who started coming to Valley Creek and she had been, she'd been hurt and wounded a lot by just the words of the, of the world and start coming and she's hearing words of hope and words of life, just hearing about Jesus and the grace and the love of Jesus. And she began to hear the words of love from the Valley Creek family and began to heal her. And, and she eventually, she found some courage to, to go visit her mom and, and just confess an area of struggle to her mom. And her mom's response was basically, you just need to end your life. Can you imagine that? That's the normal of the world. And she walked away from that cut so deep but she walked back into Valley Creek Church and was immediately greeted with love and hope and grace. And someone who was just responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit just, just went up to her and encouraged her, spoke love and life over her. And it healed the wound that she had just received. And she actually shared with us that had it not been for the words of love and hope from the Valley Creek family, she probably would have done what her mom asked her to do. This matters. This is why we are different. James 3, 9 and 10, it says, sometimes the tongue, it praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely my brothers and sisters, this is not right. You ever heard of the phrase pouring salt on the wound? How often are people in our lives looking for 
needing, even expecting to receive words of hope and life from us and instead we just pour out salt. I mean, can you imagine if that young woman had received the same thing from us that she did from the world? I mean, there's too much at stake for us to settle for being like the world when we're called to be different. Matthew 10, 8, Jesus tells us to heal the sick. And I think we, we, we hear that and we just think, yeah, it's just physical healing. But what about wounds of the soul? The sickness of the soul. Like when Jesus said to Peter, hey, come follow me. And he healed Peter's loneliness. When he said to that woman caught in adultery, I don't condemn you. When he healed her shame. We're called to heal. But here's a really honest question. Would the people around you say you speak more healing or more hurting? See, I don't want to be a kind of person that, that people are afraid to talk to or guarded when they talk to me. Like, I don't want to be the kind of person that people cringe getting an email or a text from me. I want them to look forward to it. And so I wonder who in your life is God going to use your words to bring healing because he gave you your tongue to heal. You are a healer. And there's a third truth that I want to share to you, with you about how we're called to be different. And it's this, that God gave us the tongue to be silent, not make noise. God gave us the tongue to be silent, not make noise. Like, I don't even know what that means. That doesn't make sense. Here's the thing. The world is really good at making noise and a lot of it. You look around like TVs and movies and music and radio and commercials and everything. Like, it's so much noise and it's unending. And that's all it is, is noise. And it's unending because it's a distraction from how empty it is. Like there is no substance there. There's no life. And actually, if you pay attention to the people who talk the most, like they actually have the least to say. Because it's all just filler. It's just noise. And we all know that person, like the over talker. The person like they just say so much. Yeah, they don't really say anything. And if you don't know anyone like that, might be you. That's why sometimes like silence is the most powerful thing that can come out of our mouths. That's why we say silence can be deafening. Silence can be deafening. Sometimes we just need to pause. We just need to be a little bit quiet. And maybe take some wisdom from country music that says, hey, you say it best when you say nothing at all. <laughs> I mean, taking the time to be silent can prevent most of the junk that comes out of your mouth. It's like, you'll be amazed at what you don't say when you're not talking. Now that's like super obvious. Seriously, you'll be surprised at what you don't say when you don't talk. And you know who needs to hear this the most? Like me. I need to hear this the most. I'm listening to this because I'm way too ready with an opinion and with an answer. And, and like after 18 years of marriage, it's really exposed this. Like Proverbs 17, 28, it says, hey, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. When they keep their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. <laughs> I just can't tell you how many times my wife has come to me and she's opened up her heart to share something with me and it's about 30 seconds in and I'm already up in my head and I'm totally missing her heart. And I'm like, man, I, man, I got this. I got the answer. I know how to fix this. And sometimes I'll wait till she's done. Sometimes I'll just interrupt like, I got this. And I wish that's just happened a couple of times, but it's happened a lot. 
And so my path looks a little more like Proverbs 18, 6. It says, fool's words get them into constant quarrels and they are asking for a beating. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> that, the Bible's funny. And it's real. And I would say most, if not all, of the arguments that I have had would have been avoided if I'd have just chose silence. Like, seriously, think of the last argument that you had. It probably wouldn't have happened, or maybe it would have been over a lot sooner if you hadn't uh, said that comment that initiated it, or you didn't have to get in that last word. James 1.19 says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Okay, take note of this. You just take note of everything in the Bible. When the Bible's telling you to take note of something, take note of it. <laughs> everyone, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. When you take the time to listen, when you slow down before responding, and when you slow way down before getting angry, it's amazing how much more healthy and wise what you say is. And here's something really freeing, like really freeing. You don't have to have an opinion on everything. Seriously, you don't have to have an opinion on everything, and you certainly don't have to express it. Jesus didn't. Why do you think you have to? I think it says a lot about our security, like how secure we are. Jesus was the most secure person to ever walk the face of the earth, completely secure in who he was, who God is, and what he was there to do. And he didn't need to give an opinion or have the affirmation of man to make him feel secure. Because you don't need to be heard by the world when you know you are heard by the Father. And the more you know your identity as a beloved son and daughter, and that he is a good father. And as his child, he's given you everything. He's given you keys to his kingdom. The more free you are to set opinions aside and just be quiet. But I realize, like, everyone wants a voice. Everyone wants to be heard. Everyone wants a platform. But very few people have something worth saying. You know how you have something worth saying? You listen. You listen to God. Jesus always had something to say because he was always listening to what the Father had to say. The authority to speak comes from the willingness to listen. And so as you walk out, just back into life, as you walk back into work and school and relationships and friends and meetings and family and teams and wherever you walk into, just before you speak, remember, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And, and in all this talk about words and like everyone that's impacted and, and touched and, and hit by our words, there's one person that we haven't talked about yet that's actually probably the most important person who's impacted the most by your words. It's you. This might be the most important thing you hear. You impact yourself more than any other voice in your life. Like you're the most important pastor in your life because no one knows you like you do. No one can speak more directly to your life than you. But how many times do we burn ourselves down without help from anyone else? How many times do we cut and wound ourselves with our thoughts and our words?
And think about, like, if, if you took the things that you think and say about yourself and you aimed it at somebody else, like, would you want someone to talk to your spouse that way? Would you want someone to talk to your kids that way? Your friends that way? Why would you talk about yourself that way? Like, don't be your own worst enemy. God gave you your tongue for your own healing and building up as well. And if, if you're really struggling with all this, like you just, you struggle with your tongue, you struggle not sounding like Jesus. Let me bring it all to a close with this. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. You may think like, what does the heart have to do with my tongue? The answer is everything, everything. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And think about when I was a kid and going to the doctor and the doctor would, would say, stick out your tongue. Like, and there's something magical about your tongue would just tell you everything about your body, if it was healthy or not. But there's a profound spiritual truth there that the same thing is our tongue reveals the health of our hearts. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 34, for the mouth speaks from what the heart is full of. And so what James is helping us see is, is we actually, we don't have a problem with our tongues. We have a problem with our hearts. And that is what Jesus came to take care of. Ezekiel 36, 36 says, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and I will give you a tender, responsive heart. Jesus is, he's inviting us to just to repent, to actually change our thinking, change where we've been going to a completely different direction to say, you know, I haven't been living according to the new life and the new nature, like to just agree to break off that old way of life and that old thinking and embrace the new life. That no matter what you have sounded like, no matter what your words have been like, that there is hope for a better way to live. Today is your day to hope for something different. We have hope for a new life because we have the hope of Jesus. So maybe for the first time, or maybe just into a new place, allow Jesus to send springs of life into your heart so springs of life can flow out of your heart. Because until Jesus has your heart, nothing changes. But when he does, he changes everything. So let's go ahead and pray together. Jesus, can we say thank you? that you do change everything. Thank you that you have made it different, that we don't have to settle for the brokenness of the world. We don't have to settle for the world's ways, that you have a better way for us to live. Thank you for healing us with your words. Thank you for building us up with your words. Thank you for quieting the swirl of the world around us so we can hear you. And Jesus, I just say yes to us being a church that is known to be different with the way that we speak, that we are a church, we are a people who will build, who will heal, and who will not create the noise of the world, that we will be silent and we will just love. Jesus, may we be known for being different. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen.